Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen. Uh, welcome to the, to the Door Church. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor, and on the preaching team. So grateful that you're here this morning. Grab, like I said, your Bible, Ephesians 4, 1 through 15, Ephesians 4, 1 through 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you under that chair. Please grab it. Ephesians 4, 1 through 15. We've been going in a, a really a sermon series, Immersed in New Identity. Uh, and so we really just want to look at who we are in Christ. And it's a really a beautiful letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, Ephesians church. Uh, if I had to give the sermon title, it, it would be this, Building Up the Church in Love. So if you're taking sermon notes, it'd be that, Building Up the Church in Love. Now, if I had to give the, uh, the sermon a longer title, it'd be this, Building Up the Church in Love, Bringing Unity Through Spiritual Gifts. And so I'll say that one again, Building Up the Church in Love in Unity Through Spiritual Gifts. That's more of a sentence fragment. I felt like that was too long for the title. But uh, that's what it is. Okay, Ephesians 4, 1 through 15, I'll read it and pray. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of, of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the, the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature uh, of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and, dece and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into, into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So that's the word of God. Let me pray. God, I thank you for this word. I pray, God, as we look at your word, that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the truth uh, that's in this text, that we are saved by grace, empowered by grace uh, for a purpose to, to serve uh, your church family, that we would grow up into uh, maturity as Christians, to, to be more like Jesus. And that's going to take all of us to play our parts well. So I pray that you bring clarity, you bring conf uh, conviction, that you bring uh, confession, that we walk more in step uh, with our 
identity uh, as, as Christ followers, but also in our giftings. That's that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so Paul is writing this section and is talking about unity and spiritual gifts and, and, and building up in love. And it's super interesting. Paul is making some statements for, but as someone's saying, hey, this is what you should be doing, it's also letting us things that you shouldn't be doing. For instance, verse 1, uh, it talks about that we should walk in a manner worthy of our calling, which you've been called. So he's giving this charge, this instruction that, hey, walk worthy of this calling that God has put you on, on you in Jesus Christ. So the counter statement or the opposite statement is that you can walk unworthy of your calling. So, I mean, I know it's a, you know, yeah, I, we know that. But it, it's worth saying that there is an unworthiness uh, that you can walk in. He doesn't want us to do that. Verse 3, it says this. It says this idea, we should be eager, listen, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Why is he saying that? Because a lot of times churches are not unified in the spirit. There isn't a bond of peace. And so the opposite is a disunity and discord and dysfunction. And so he's giving us this, how do, how do we grow up in love? How do we grow up in unity? Uh, and the primary way to do this in this text is the spiritual giftings of God. Now, spiritual giftings can bring disunity. It can bring disorganization. You're like, well, what does that mean? And so we'll talk about that. So when, when um, God really planted the Door Church about 10 or 11 years ago, uh, there's a group of us that planted. Um, it was overwhelming. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm not, I wasn't a good preacher. I sweated a lot. And lots of things going on, but I felt called by God to, to do this. Um, and... What's interesting, for those who are there, they can testify all this, to all these things. We have a clear mission at the Door Church. We still do. We, you know, we love it. We want to see restored lives uh, with the gospel for God's glory. We love Jesus, and we want other people to meet Jesus. Crystal clear. Now, as you plant a church, as they call it, start a church, you, what you have is a lot of people that have lots of different backgrounds, ideologies, uh, and churches. So what they want to do is usually bring their past church into this church, or another way to say is they didn't like their other church, and so they want to kind of plant a, a counter church. And so, man, early on, we're just wiring in. Man, we love Jesus. We want to walk in Jesus. There's nothing about Jesus. So, so really, man, just focused on our, our mission. And then uh, as we got going, God did a beautiful thing. He, 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 he brought a people out of no people by, by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's been amazing to be a part of. And um, there, there's so many different giftings and perspectives that God brings to be a church family. So early on, um, not, not good at preaching, very tired and exhausted and trying just to maintain mission. That, that's where I was at. And then I get phone calls all the time because everyone had my cell phone number, which I tried to avoid. I, I, do, I do love you and we can email all day and you can have my phone number if you really want it. But I get lots of texts, lots of phone calls, and this is what these would look like. They'd say, do you know what we need to be doing? And I'm like, yes, I love these phone calls. And, and they'd be like, here's what we need to be doing. We need to be serving the poor. Do you see the people in, in the city that, that don't have? And we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's no other church like that in our city. We could be this church and really just bring the love of Christ in a very merciful way to serve those in need. I mean, I got lots of phone calls like that. I remember one in particular. Um, I was on, on, a, on a run, 
guy called me and he's like, you know what? There, there's a lady in the trail parks who needs you to do something. I was like, I need to finish my run and you can do it if you really want to. But it, it, he had a heart for serving the poor. And then I get phone calls and say, you know what our real problem here at the church is, is we don't have a website. I'm like, I don't know if that's our major problem, but maybe that is a problem. Let's get a website. And they're like, what's our budget for the year? And we're like, we're on the non-plan plan. We don't even have a bank account, so I don't know if we need a budget. Uh, and they're like, well, what's our five-year plan? I was like, if we're here in five years, we'll see, right? Like, I'm just trying to make it through the first month. And, but they had real concerns about leadership, plans, uh, and, and is really deep in the heart. Then we, we have other people like, man, I just want us to preach the gospel. I just want to hear the word of God preached. Uh, we need, don't do that topical stuff. Go expository. That's what they, I'm like, okay, I hear you and I love it. And we're going to preach Christ-centered uh, sermons and songs. And so what happens here, a lot of people will look at the people that want to serve the poor is like, they don't love Jesus. They don't, in the sense of like, they need, we need to preach the gospel. We need to evangelize. We can always serve, but what about the the eternal trajectory? Then there's others that are like, man, you only say you love people uh, from the pulpit, but you're not really doing anything, right? And so we start to be disjointed and frustrated with one another. Another person that wants plans, like, man, they're just overbearing. They ask too many questions. And really, these are all giftings from God. Not seeing them, man, that God wires people differently and equips them spiritually to build up the church. And so we get frustrated. Another one I'll give an example of is a lot of times uh, part of the elders, what we do is we look over church care cases uh, that, that people need assistance. And every time we're in that meeting, I could tell you how it's going to play out almost to a degree. There's going to be some elders like we need to help them and help them right away. And we need to not only help them, we need to get them more. Let's get them a Costco card. Let's get them this and, you know, their groceries. Let's give them more than they need because they're hurting. Let's, we need to bring help to them. And it's a really merciful heart. And there's other people's like, well, if we do that, there's going to be stuck in the same situation. We need to teach them to have a plan. We need to show them a budget. We need to help them and, and, to teach them the, you know, some structure to help grow them up. And then you'll have other people's like, man, we just need to pray for them, call them and tell them they're loved and tell them they're not, they're not defined by their circumstance. And then some preach the gospel over them. You know what? They're, they're, we're, they're all right. Right. They need to be helped and they need to be spoken truth over. They need to be prayed over and they need to have a plan but see, well, a lot of times people devalue someone else's spiritual gifting because they see only in light of their spiritual gifting and they argue and it causes division. The answer is yes. I mean, we're, call, we're called to use the giftings of Christ to build up Christ, not to divide and marginalize, look down upon um, other people. So building up in unity by the spirit of God, which gives a spiritual gift. So verse 7 We'll look at what it talks about these spiritual gifts. Uh, it says this, but grace was given to each one of you, uh, given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, there, there's so much, there's so much there. So grace is what saves you. So Jesus came, he lived, died, and rose again. It's what justifies you. We're all sinners. And in front of a righteous holy God and knowing we met right with God except through Jesus and he brings us grace. That's the, the ill-deserved love of God. That's what Jesus Christ brings. That's, that's salvation. So not only does he, Jesus save you, but listen, he also empowers you. 
with the gifting to serve him for the glory of God and, and the good of other people. And the word here, it says that this grace is a measurement of Christ to you. Now, this is an interesting word that Christ has a calculated gift for you to build up the church in love and maturity. Um, another way you can look at it is Jesus is an architect building his church and says, I'm going to give you this gifting to play a part and purpose to build up, man, Christ's bride, his body. This is incredible that God, by his spirit, has gifted every single one of us. If you're a Christian, You've been gifted by God in a particular way to bring the beauty, the hope, and the care of Jesus Christ to other people within this church and this city. Man, what a calling God has placed on our lives to see it that way. It says that in Ephesians 2.10, which is my favorite verse. It says, for we are his workmanship. He's crafted you. Like he has, he has thought about, about how he's wired you, your proclivities, and now has empowered you by his spirit, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God is the ultimate architect building his church, and he, he allows us to play a part. What, what a beautiful truth that we should walk in. Now, verse 11, it talks about some categories of these giftings, and we're going to go to Romans 12 in a second. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So there's this element of pastors, teachers, elders to equip saints, that's all of us, to do this work of ministry. So we're all gifted by God and in Christ, by the Spirit of God, to do these good works to build up the church. I'm going to go to Romans 12. If you want to go over there, you can, you can turn over there. But Romans 12, Roman, uh, Paul is writing to the Romans, and he's, he talks about these giftings. And so I want to give some categories to help us understand maybe how God's gifted you to build up the church. Uh, verse three, it says, for by grace, uh, for by the grace given to me, I say, every one among you do not think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Again, why would Paul be saying that? Because a lot of us think really highly of ourselves. Say, hey, don't do that. All right. So you're not defined by our gifting. We'll get to more than that in a second. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Again, Jesus has assigned. I mean, what a particular gifting. It's, I hope you ponder that later, that God has thought about what he wants you to do. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function. So though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So we all have different giftings. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So these categories I want to look at is like there's this, uh, this ministry of word, of teaching and preaching, and it says prophecy and teaching, and some people are just naturally gifted at communicating the word of God. And there's other ones that is this category of like caring and this supernatural, supernatural acts of mercy and generosity and service, right? Some people just have this gifting to serve with joy. They have a gifting to see needs that other people don't see. They have the ability to contribute and give more. 
uh, then uh, because God's man shared this generosity of heart, this merciful to bring loving kindness to people, and they they're so tender. I, um, this is actually one of my favorite things to do is see this in people because it's extraordinary. Why? Because you're actually seeing Christ in them. You're actually seeing a little bit more of Jesus as you view people in their gifting, ruling and administration. Those aren't just boring people. These are amazing people that get things done. This is a gift exhortation and lead and organization. All giftings for God. Verse 12, it says, why? To build up the body of Jesus Christ. Verse 16, it says that this idea, actually 15 and 16, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up uh, in every way into him who is the head, who is Christ. The reason why he gives us his giftings, why? So we can become more like Jesus from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with it is equipped. When each part is working properly, when we're all doing our parts well, it makes the body grow so that it builds up itself and love, that we can be more like Christ as we're being built up to love. This is what these spiritual giftings are meant to bring. Now, there's some issues here, uh, and I'll talk about it. So this, it's like, we, by God, we've been gifted. But if we don't work together, it's like we work against each other, and we actually will marginalize people. We'll talk about that in a second. But it's like a bag of marbles unarranged. It's like just raw potential. And so there's a lot of churches that have a lot, I know have a lot of giftings. Now, why? Because they're born of the Holy Spirit, and they've been gifted to do certain things, but they're not organized. And so there's confusion, disunity, and backbiting, and marginalization going on in the church. Uh, why? Because they're not being a congregation. A congregation, a congregation by God is being organized in particular giftings and abilities and opportunities and needs to what? Build up in church and love. This is actually one of the main roles, it says, of pastors and elders. It's, it's called us to equip the saints for ministry. So not only do elders may want to preach the word of God and oversee the church, but overseeing is a great responsibility to organize the church in their giftings to glorify Christ and to bring love to one another. Now, the issues of why this doesn't happen are many. Maybe the shepherding, uh, the elders don't do a good job. Or maybe even a lot of churches, they don't even know this is their job. Um, but that's, that's a different point. And you can, you can pray for us. As elders, this is what we're trying to do, right? Pray for that. The other issues is uh, pride. See, a lot of us, uh, we have a, a delusion or visions of grandeur of what's more important than the church. So just think about it. If it says that God has gifted you to do certain things, who did it? God did. So like, did you, did you do something to be the position or the gifting they have? No. So there's this, a spirit of humility. And so there's not one, one better part of the body than the other. So for instance, like take your, your body, like who likes to see? I like to see. I also like to hear. And I also like to taste. I like, I like to, all of it's very important. That's my point. There's not one more uh, better, I don't know, that's, that's really bad language, more better uh, th than the next. But in our heart of hearts, we think some are better. And so sometimes we operate out of our gifting because we're too proud to submit to actually where we're gifted. Other times, um, there are issues in the church because we take too much pride in our gifting is we're not sober-minded in it. We think this is our identity. We'll talk about that more in a second. But you are not your gifting. You are not your gifting. Uh, you're, we're all sinners saved by grace, and you should not take identity in your gifting. Why? Because God's given you that gifting. And furthermore, 
You shouldn't degrade, which is a huge problem within the church, even our church, is degrading people that see things differently. You ever thought about that God has given them that way on purpose? If the church was all just like you, that would be not a great church. Amen? That God has given us certain abilities and proclivities to bring help and grace and mercy to some, and others giving the exhortation to preach, and others to lead. We're all needed together to grow people up. We should never marginalize people that have been born of the Spirit to do certain things. But so many times, we, look, we downgrade whatever we think is awesome about us. And so a lot of hurting people in the church. And there's others. I'm going to try to just really make everyone mad in here. So you're welcome. There's, an, there's another issue is that we're, we're just passive with our gifting. That if it's true, and it is, you've been born of God. God has given you a gifting to build up his church and the community. But you just use it for yourself. And you're passive. You're not engaged. And so um, if you call this church your home, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you serving? Are you serving? Are you giving of your time, talents, and treasures to build this church? That's, a, that's a, a gifting of God that God's given you that you're robbing this community of or another community that you're part of and our community. Um, it's an issue that you should pray about. Why? So we can be grown up in, in love. So some people are asking right now, like, well, I don't know what I'm good at. You know, how do I know my gifting? Well, that's a good question. You don't always know. So ability, affinity, opportunity is how I always like to break it down. Is do you have a desire to do something? Well, you should try that, right? That's a God-given thing. Like there's certain things that some people think about that never cross my mind, but it's crossing your mind. And he's like, you should try it. And then you may be good at it. Or maybe you're really good at something, and then you may try. It's like, oh, I actually like it. I mean, so many times my kids are like, oh, I don't like that food. I don't like that. I don't like that. You know what I do? I open their mouth. I stick it in, and I see what they do, right? And sometimes like, that's really good. Thank you for making me do that. Some of us need to do things that may make us feel uncomfortable, and you actually figure out that you like it. Also, where there's opportunity, where there's a need, where there's a need, God may be calling you to step in a gap. Maybe it's not your favorite thing, but there's an opportunity to glorify Christ by dying to yourself to serve this community. And one of the first things I did when I got into preaching, like I said, I wasn't good. I think God's given me a gift slightly to teach, more to preach, to like exhort. Um, I called several of my close friends. I'm like, I need you to tell me if I'm any good at this. Know why? Because I didn't want to waste my time. I didn't want to waste other people's time. I don't want to waste my family's time because that's a train wreck. I, not that I was great at it then, but I need you to be honest with me. You need to ask people really close to you, do you think I'm good at this? Or do you think I could be good at this? Because that's important too. If you can't, if you can't have that conversation, you're probably operating in the wrong position. I'm just going to say that right now because you're dealing with some arrogance issues. You need to be able to ask, do you see... People that you love are going to be kind to you, not just anyone. Some people are just mean, right? But am I, am I operating in the right spot? Now, he's gifted us to serve, to build up the church and love. Everyone has a part to play. Now, I'm about to say something that's most important. What's more important than what you do for Christ is who you are. Another way to say this, to do this well, is not to say, hey, go do it, is to be filled with the Spirit of God. To be filled with the Spirit of God is to be, actually be filled with God to represent God and his giftings to a community. So many people in the church are operating, they're relying on their giftings to save themselves. They're relying on their giftings to save themselves. The character of Christ 
is more important than the spiritual giftings. Another way to say it is spiritual fruit is different than spiritual giftings. Your spiritual fruit needs to precede your giftings. So I'll show you in this text uh, and, and uh, what, what, this, what this looks like. Uh, it says this in Ephesians 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy um, of the calling to which you have been called. Paul is in prison. But what is he saying? He's speaking his identity even as he's, man, probably, you know, the, gr- the greatest theologian, church planner ever lived. He goes, I'm not that. What am I? I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And he knows who he belongs to. He's saying, this is my character. This is my identity. Immerse in your identity. You need to know who you are. He says, I belong. I'm a bondservant to Jesus Christ. And he goes out and outlines this in verse 5. He says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father uh, of all. What is he doing? We just sang basically the Apostles' Creed. Like we're saying, this is who we are. There There is a truthfulness that bonds us all together is our identity before we do gifting. So there's one Lord. See, we're all sinners who deserve hell, damnation, condemnation, but in Jesus, there's salvation. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, and whoever puts their faith in Jesus Christ is saved. You're justified, forgiven. That's only through Jesus Christ. There's one Savior, and you need to be saved. You need to call out on his name to be saved. And it says there's one faith that binds us all together, one baptism. Baptism doesn't save, but it bonds us together. I mean, when you get up and, and profess, that's the, the way that you should outwardly display your faith in Jesus Christ to be baptized. You haven't do it, I encourage you to be baptized. Why? Because when you get up here, you say, this is where my faith is. This is my Savior, Jesus Christ. You get in the water. And you say, my hope is in Jesus Christ, life, death, burial, resurrection. You go under the water and say, I've died in Christ, now I'm new in Jesus Christ. And you come out of the water. This is an outward display. This is who I am. We're all sinners saved by grace. This is what he's doing here. This is your identity. Because if not, you're going to try to save yourself. It's just true. Because you're going to try to build your righteousness apart from Christ. It says in Romans 12, 4, because it's an issue. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. That means if you don't understand your identity of Christ, you won't humbly play your position well. We're all going to be trying to do the same thing, which is going to be chaotic, and you'll be frustrated, you'll be angry. Um, you know what? There's only one quarterback. You know, there's only one coach, right? You got to play your position well. And it doesn't matter what you play. It matters who, what you belong to. This is why it talks about in the text, with all humility. Man, you're not what you do. You are who you belong to. With all humility is is really this idea of like submitting to to Christ and his purposes for your life. That's humility. Can, Can you do that? Understanding to be loved and known by God is enough. And whatever he has me do, praise God, and I will joyfully play that part. It's with gentleness. We should be marked by gentleness. We should not be domineering. We should not be backbiting. We should not be, why? Because the Spirit of God brings a gentleness to us that we want to celebrate God and other people. We should be patient. We be long-suffering. When I say spiritual fruit, if you're still not getting it, we should be defined by the righteousness and character of Christ that God brings into you, not your performance. So Galatians 
5.22.23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. This is the character of Christ in you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. See, there's a real danger to be, fine, to be defined by your activity. So you got to be okay, which is Jesus more than enough. Like, you are not what you do. Like, I love preaching. I love being a pastor here. I hope God allows me to do this till the day I die. But if God ever calls me out, I'll be okay. Because this is not my peace. This is not my joy. That's found in Christ and Christ alone. I'm not saying I don't struggle with it, but that's where it's found. You, you have the freedom to rest in Christ and be used as God wants you, as he sees fit. See, this is a real danger because Jesus sends out 72. He says, man, I want you to go basically preach the kingdom of God. They come back in Luke 10 and 20, and they're saying, man, I cast out you know, you know, demons, and I saw Satan fall. And Jesus gave him this warning. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We, we, as you start to walk with Christ and be used for Christ, man, you will have an inkling to start to be proud of what you do. And Jesus gives us this truth, says, don't be so happy about what you do for me. I want you to be filled with what I've done for you. You're defined by my love, not by your performance. Why does he say this? Because this is going to be an issue for all of us, that this motivational structure to, to, to live out your gifting is from the cross of Christ. The motivational is, man, that my name is written with God, that I have salvation, and from that I want to serve Christ. See, to, to actually live this out, you got to be filled with God. So our gifting, we're not defined by our gifting, but man, there's joy in it because we're living out His purpose for our life. But we got to be filled, man, with the spirit and love of Jesus Christ. There are so many people that have fallen in ministry, why? Because they think their gifting is their salvation. They don't, they don't understand it's the character of Christ. It's the rights of Christ that saved them. So they're like a, a tire that's losing air. If you ever lost tire, it's losing air. You can drive for a little bit. When you stop, that thing goes, right? There's a lot of people train wreck their lives in ministry. Know why? Because they're more concerned about their giftings and what they're doing for God than actually what they need to be having in God, which is Christ in them, the hope of glory. So how do we be filled with the presence of Christ? It tells us in the war, when, when everyone was tuning me out, the part in 8 and 9 where no one understood, this is where, man, this, this has to preach to your heart. It has to be your motivation. It says verse 8. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does he mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions uh, the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all the things. This is such a beautiful part. So if, you know, back in this time, if a king was coming against your kingdom or an enemy was coming against your kingdom, the king would go out with his army and go what? Fight and defend his kingdom. And if they win, they'd come back and there'd be a parade and then the entrance and the king would go sit in the center of his, his city and then distri dis distribute all the winnings that he won from the invading king. And in this context, what, what David is doing in Psalm 68, verse 18, he's bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. He said he's bringing back the presence of God to Jerusalem and he's now quoting this here. Why? He's telling us that Jesus Christ has come into enemy territory. 
and defeated sin, Satan, and death, that you're not defined by your sin, your struggles, your past, by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you've been forgiven, that you are loved, not, not because anything you could do or will do or earn, you are loved. Your love is defined. It's poured out on the cross. It's displayed at the cross of Christ. He defeated, defeated Satan. I think, I know, so many people believe lies about their past and their struggles, that God couldn't love me, that no one wants me, that I'm unworthy. The cross says you are worthy and that you're loved and that you're known. Don't believe the lies of Satan. Believe the promises of Jesus Christ. He defeated death. If you believe this, what could anyone do to us? Not nothing. We're going to live forever with God because of Jesus Christ. He defeated sin, Satan, and death. And it says when you see this rightly, the Holy Spirit comes and resides and gives you the very presence of God that allows you to feel peace and joy, no matter what. And from there, you can start to love other people well. You'll use your giftings for his glory and other people's good and not to prop up yourself. And so another way you could say it is you will, you will not love you will not love how God calls you to love in your giftings until you understand how deeply loved you are at the cross of Jesus Christ. That has to be your motivation. All humility and patience. See, another way to look at it, Christianity is not being good, although we should be good by the Spirit of God. It's not what you do for Christ, although we should do great works for Christ. Christianity is what? You get God. You get God. You, when you understand and accept Jesus Christ, the, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you and there's joy, and there's peace, and there's confidence. And we live out from that for the glory of God and the good of other people. Let's pray. God, I pray that you'd immerse us in this new identity, that we believe the truthfulness as Paul did in prison, that I'm, I'm a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I belong to him. I'm loved by him. God, I pray right now that we would confess that we look to our giftings for identity, that maybe we've been lazy about our giftings, that we would not just hear a sermon and sing, but we would confess our shortcomings by your spirit, man, be filled with your presence and love. There's nothing between us and you, Father, because Jesus has removed all barriers and we can simply receive your presence. I pray if we just call out for help, confess our need, confess. I pray that we, we would ask for you to do what you say you do is to fill us with your presence. I pray that we not just walk out of a room and say, I went, went to church. God, I pray that we would experience you by your spirit this morning in Christ. Whether that's really feeling forgiven from sin or a struggle or purpose, God, I pray the Holy Spirit would just breathe life there, bring healing there. God, that would be a church that would not be judgmental but a church that wants to equip saints to grow, to be used so we become more like you, Jesus. We need all of us to play our part well. Why? So we could show who Christ is, not only to each other, but to a world who desperately needs to know the love of Jesus Christ. I pray that you move in particular ways this morning. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.